0: And if you're joining us from home, I wanna welcome you as well, Um, wherever you might be. Maybe you're on holidays somewhere, school holidays here in New South Wales. I wanna welcome you as well and thank you so much for joining us. It means a lot to us and uh, everyone here. It means a lot that you'd come as well on Resurrection Sunday. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to worship our Saviour on this day. Well, we have a special service for our kids. And if you are from toilet trained, that exited a lot of us out, doesn't it? Two year six, I think it is. You can head on out now to your program. They've got something special down there, a special Easter service for kids. Have a great time out there. It's gonna be great. I think there's food out there of some sort, chocolate, I think. Maybe there isn't, or maybe I just gave a falsism, I'm not sure. Ah, it's great. Well, here we are on Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, we also had a great Good Friday service down at the park like we love to do. And uh, was an amazing, beautiful weather? Started off foggy, then it lifted to a beautiful sunburning day. It was great and uh, I love it. I love Easter, I love Good Friday, but I really love Resurrection Sunday. It's important to me, it's something that I love greatly, amen. And we began it with worship this morning. Isn't it wonderful? wonderful? Thank you team for leading us in that. Let's give him a hand. Yep. On, uh, on Friday, I shared a message about my contemplations of Good Friday. My, my thinking about it and my conclusions that I came to and basically just three things. I just want to recap if that's all right. Three things I came to about Good Friday. One is this, my sin is horrible. It is really horrible, what it did, what it does to others, it hurts others, it hurts me. My, bis- mis- my misdeeds caused a good man, a great man, a pure man, to give his life for me. My sin's horrible. That's the conclusion I come to on Good Friday. But also come to the conclusion of this, the cross is expensive, not for us, it's free for us. Forgiveness is free. He, we, it doesn't cost us anything to gain forgiveness from God, but it cost heaven everything. It bankrupt heaven. It cost Jesus Christ his life. In fact, it cost God, it says he loved us so much that he sent his son, his begotten son, his only special son to die. A horrible death. It was expensive, the cross. Yeah, we, we can tend to think it's it's. It's cheap, but it's not. Someone paid. The third thing I came to is this, the conclusion about Easter Sunday is this, God must love us a lot. He must love us very, very much. That he would actually do that. He could have wiped us clean and started again, but he didn't. The all powerful, almighty God who created the universe decided to say, do you know what? I love them so much, I want them in my family. I want to create a home for them. I want to have them be part of what my life is all about. He must love us immensely. They're my conclusions of Good Friday. My sin is horrible. The cross was expensive. But we have a God who loves us so much that he offered that forgiveness to us. Isn't it beautiful? It is wonderful. Well, today, I want to talk about my conclusions that I've come to about Resurrection Sunday. You see... Resurrection Sunday is probably the most proven historical instance ever recorded. And I don't know why people don't talk about this even more. When you look at the proof of the resurrection, it is actually huge. It's not just a day where the Christians decide to remember something. No, 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 no. It's a, it's a remembrance of an official history occurrence that happened. The greatest miracle of all was when Jesus Christ, after three days dying on the cross, on the third day, he rose again. You see, God said he would come as a Messiah, and he did. He also said he would die, and he did. But he also said he would raise again, Lance, and he did. But he also said he's coming back. Are you ready? Because he will. He will. The proof of the resurrection, the first thing was the grave was empty. Do you know there are six written occurrences written by five different authors saying that the grave was empty? That's huge in history evidence. Now we look at the Bible as one book, but it's not. It's 66 different accounts. Probably more if we look at the Psalms because they were just a gathering. It's 66 different books that were written by different people, and in the New Testament we have 27 of those. And in there, we have four accounts of Jesus Christ, which all talk about the empty tomb. Then we have the book of Acts, which again re-emphasizes it. Then we have Paul in his letters talking about there was an empty tomb. In fact, less than five years after the occurrence, there was a creed in the local church saying the tomb was empty. Which you might say, so what? No, 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 that's huge in history terms. That we can go track it back to about five years after the resurrection of Christ, that they'd made it part of their ethos, their, 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 their whole creed, if you like, that the tomb was empty. Not only that, we read that two women discovered the empty tomb. They were the eyewitnesses. Now, today that mightn't seem much, but in the first century in Israel, you gotta understand, sorry, but women were not valued. And a women's account was not ever taken seriously. Thank God that's changed, right? But it wasn't. So if you were going to make something up in the first century about the resurrection of someone and tell a lie, you wouldn't use women as your excuse or your, your, your proof of that. You wouldn't have women as your eyewitnesses. Because back then it wasn't even regarded as sensible. They would have just ignored it. But yet we have it written. Mary and Mary went to the tomb. And they saw that it was empty. Not only that, both the, the, those who were to lose the most out of the empty tomb, the Romans and the Jewish leaders, they both confessed. It's empty. If they didn't want it to be, if it wasn't empty, they wouldn't have said that. Oh, well, the disciples stole the body, obviously. They confessed themselves. They were the ones who had the greatest to lose from that fact that the tomb was empty. The fact the tomb was empty proves that Jesus rose again. But it's not only that, we read in those gospels and we read through the different accounts, the different books of the Bible, where he was actually witnessed. He appeared to people. He appeared to those ladies. He appeared to John and Peter and all the disciples actually. They touched his holes in his hands. Wow. Not only that, Paul actually says he appeared to over 500 individuals who all said Jesus has actually risen. Paul himself was against Christ, was against this Christian movement, the way they called it then. He wanted to stamp it out until one day he met Jesus. And his whole life changed. He, He changed all of his focus. He turned around to a point where he would later be beheaded for it confessing that Jesus has risen wow Jesus half brother biologically James who wrote the the letter of James in the bible he was a denier him and his brother Jude they were deniers no he's not the Christ he's just a teacher in fact they even suggested once he was possessed but yet when he saw the resurrected Jesus he changed he changed So much so, he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem and was martyred himself, thrown off the temple and crushed and stoned. All because he confessed, My brother is the resurrected Messiah, the Christ. Wow. That's huge proof when you're a historian. But there's not only that, you think about his followers. Out of the 12, only one avoided being martyred. They were all killed horrible deaths. All because they declared that the Saviour is risen. All of them. Now, many people have died because of a lie. But I don't know of anyone who has died knowing that they would, you know, they're would, they defending a truth. Sorry, I've got that wrong. Let me just read it. I said it right there before. <laughs> no one willingly died for something they didn't know is true. No one died thinking, do you know what, I know this is not true, but I'll die for it anyway. They could have escaped death by confessing that no, Christ didn't raise from the dead. No, he didn't. But they all went to their grave confessing that he raised again. So much so that today here we have churches spreading around the world. And if you go into the developing countries, you're seeing Christianity spread like wildfire 2,000 years after the event. It is the most proven act of history that you can find in ancient history. I don't know why people deny that Jesus risen from the grave. Many of um, atheists have tried to do that and have come to the conclusion. Do you know the best conclusion they can come up with? Jesus had an identical twin brother who was in hiding for 33 years. He stole the body and replaced him. It's the best they can come up with because of the forensics, if you like, of the investigation, undeniable proof that Jesus rose from the grave. Pretty cool, isn't it? But that's not what excites me about the resurrection. What excites me about the resurrection is really what it means for us. Yeah, Yeah, that's great history, it's fantastic, and our Savior is alive and that's amazing, but what does that mean for us here in the 21st century? Well, I've come to the conclusion of a few things. First thing is this, what's exciting about it, the resurrection is, he is who he says he is. He's not just a good man. He's not just a great teacher, a prophet. He is God. You see, to rise from the dead is the ultimate power move, don't you think? Christmas is the promise, but Easter is the proof that God loves us, and he is God. Jesus came. You don't get a Resurrection Sunday without a Good Friday, but without a Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday is just a tragedy. It's a good man who taught well, who was admired, who loved people and cared for people and did miracles, but he's dead. But when you've got a Resurrection Sunday, it proves that he's God, and he rose again, and he's alive today. He's alive, he conquered death. Wally Odom says this, what death did to Jesus was nothing compared to what Jesus did to death. Took away its sting, took away its victory. He left no doubt that he is God, not just a prophet, not just God's representative, that he himself is God. You know, um, some bones, of the original Buddha, were found and given to the emperor of the Chinese dynasty Tang, the Tang dynasty, as a present, it was greatly admired. But it was forgotten, they were forgotten and lost until 1981 when they were rediscovered these little bones of the finger of a Buddha. And people flocked there to see it in China. All over the world the Buddhists are really keen, do you know what? Jesus doesn't have any bones. There's none left. There's none left, brother, there's none left. He has them in him still, because he's alive. A Muslim, an African Muslim man was interviewed once because he converted to Christianity and asked, why would you do such a thing? That's a big move, because his family rejected him after this. And with all humility, he turns around, he says, at a fork in the road, you see one dead man and one alive, who would you follow? Referring to Muhammad. Who would you follow? Which teachings would you follow? The one who is alive, and alive today. He is who he says he is. That's why resurrection is exciting. We have a God who didn't just play a good man. We we have a God who just didn't promise, and we're still waiting on the promise. No, 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 no. He fulfilled it. And he's alive today. The second thing I contemplate about it is this. Because of the resurrection, we get to start again. Don't you love the whole idea of a second chance? Look at this scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. If you are in Christ, if you accepted him into your life, if you are walking in that Christianity, all things are new. The old has passed away. I love the idea of a second chance. Have you ever said anything you wish you hadn't? You know, it gets out there and you think, oh, I just got to put that back in there. You can't. Have you ever done something where you think, oh, I made a wrong move there. I wish I'd never done that. I've got thousands of those regrets. Well, this is what I love about Christianity. It is a second chance. Oh, I wish I'd never, ever rejected God. Oh, I wish I'd not been such a sinner. I wish I hadn't done that. Well, in God's eyes, it's if you hadn't, when you receive his forgiveness. That's what resurrection does. The Bible calls it being born again. Another translation calls it being born from above. In other words, God gave you a new life. It's like you start again. I love that. That's what baptism's all about, when we do water baptism. It's a signification to the church and to the world that I identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection when you come up out of the water. That's what it's about. Paul says this, Since you are raised with him, set your minds on things above. Since you are raised with him, We sang the song, The Resurrected King is Resurrecting Me. That's what it means. I've got a new start. I'm alive. Because of that, I can walk justified in my life. Isn't it beautiful? I have the resurrection power from the resurrected King in my life. I have been born again. He gave us a new start. We can leave the old behind. We can leave the old ways behind as well and begin to live a new life, a resurrected life. That's why we call a word repent. The Bible calls people to repent. What it means is you've got a new life. Turn away from the old. Walk this new life that you've been given. You've been given a life to live, which is amazing. Walk it. Walk it the best way you can. I remember a young man many years ago in our youth ministry. He was a pretty wild young man. He had a pretty wild life. Did a lot of things he regretted. And he didn't know where to go. He came to Christ and just a beautiful, I remember praying for him. Just a beautiful occurrence, you know, just praying. And, you know, he was really sorry for what he'd done. But something happened in that prayer. Something changed in him. Inside his heart, it wasn't the same anymore. And that repent thing was just active in his life. He just didn't want to live the old way anymore. It was a change, a new beginning that just came up in his life. He wanted to start again. And I remember a few months later, I just talked to him and I said, to him, mate, I'm just amazed at the difference in your life from what I can see. He said this to me, I'll never forget it. Ever since I found Jesus, everything has changed. I still have my issues, but I cope because those issues are not me anymore. Because he had a new life. Those issues aren't me anymore. I've still got consequences, but that's not me anymore. I'm still working through some things, but that's not me. Who I am, I'm a child of God. He's accepted me, and I'm walking as a child of God. He understood what it meant to repent. He understood that he had a new life. He understood he had a second chance. That's powerful. Oh, he... He didn't just raise again just to let's feel good and have Easter eggs and celebrate it. He raised, brother, to give us a new life, a new start. No matter where you are today, no matter what you've done, today could be Resurrection Sunday for you. You could have a new start, a fresh start. First thing is that he, he said who he, he was who he said he was, he was God. Second thing is that he can bring us a new start. The third thing, the reason why I love this resurrection, my, my whole thought about this whole Resurrection Sunday being powerful is this. In Mark chapter one, 14 and 15, John, uh, John the Baptist was arrested. Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It says, there is a kingdom for us to enter into. Not only does he say, not only is he who he says he is, not only has he given us the opportunity for a second chance, but he's provided something for us to walk in, a kingdom where he is the king. You see, Jesus established his kingdom here on earth. He said that, I'm establishing this kingdom. And he was killed. And that kingdom probably should have ended. It should have been over and done with at that point. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, we read about um, Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee, Paul's teacher, if you like. And all the Pharisees were wondering, what are we going to do with all these Christians who are getting excited about this resurrected guy we killed? What are we going to do about this? They're, They're causing havoc throughout the troublers of Jerusalem, they were calling them. And they said, well, we just need to wipe them out. We need to jail them, we need to. And Gamaliel stood up and he says, wait, wait, wait. Remember when there was this one guy, he stood up and uh, he he proclaimed to be the savior and he died. And all of his followers just fell away, about 400 of them. There was another guy, his name was Judas of Galilee and he, he, he became a thing. And he rose up and got all these followers and he was killed. And all of his followers just went away. And then he said this, this Jesus of Nazareth, we killed him. He's dead. If this is not of God, it will just go away. It will just dissolve into nothing. But if it is God, there's nothing you can do to stop it. I want to tell you, church, here we are 2,000 years later, and it's still growing Here we are today that this thing, which was a cult to them, just some rising up, they destroyed, they thought they destroyed the leader of it, but it didn't, it rose up. His kingdom began and it hasn't finished building yet. 2,000 years later. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Long live the King, right? Well, I've got some news for you. He shall reign forever and ever and ever. His kingdom will never end. There is no end to His kingdom. That's what's exciting about the resurrection. It wasn't just a good idea. It wasn't just a nice teaching. It was a kingdom that was made available and made available for us. I get excited about it. I don't think his plan was just to forgive us. I don't think his plan was just to be nice to us. I think his plan was there to make sure that we could actually live with him. I think his plan was there so that we could live a blessed and favoured life. A life with peace, a life with joy, a life, even though things happen in our lives, we have this stability in our life. That's why he came. And that happens in the kingdom. He made a kingdom available for us all so that others could find out about it too. That's why we do what we do. That's why the church is active in the world today. Because we have a kingdom. Because our king is alive. He's not dead. It's not just a memory, mate. He's alive. And that kingdom is where we learn about our king. I've been doing a lot of thinking, a lot about the kingdom of God. And you know, Jesus actually said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom. It won't make any sense to you. You see, when Jesus said those words, to forgive someone was something you never did. It was crazy to do that. In fact, it was seen as stupid. To help the poor or the disabled was seen as immoral. You wouldn't do it. Jesus changed everything when he brought his kingdom. He actually said some things like this. If you want to get rich, give everything away. That's his kingdom. He said, Test us in this, will you? He said, Seek me first and my kingdom first, and everything your physical needs, the food, the clothes, the possessions, all those will be given to you if you seek the kingdom first. It's a whole different way of thinking. You see, the natural thinking is, I've got to get ahead and, you know, dog eat dog world, you know. Jesus said the opposite. If you want to really gain life, lay your life down and serve others. You gain real life if you do that. He set up this kingdom which is different. And today, all of Western society really obeys a lot of those rules. Forgive. Don't hang on to grudges. Care for the poor. Care for the disabled. Care for those who are having a hard time. I love what I saw this week. Still seeing it with the the floods through this place, the way people rise up to help others. We had people coming here to help us with the flood and clean up and down. People I've never seen before. Who are you? Oh, I'm just from down the road. Really nice. You understand, Jesus introduced that kingdom. It's his kingdom. Here's what Jesus said, unless you're born again or born of the spirit, you can't enter into it. You can't enter into it. Today, where do you stand? He's a resurrected king, he's a resurrected saviour. Where do you stand on this? Have you entered the kingdom? Have you made him your king? I think there's a lot of people in the Christian world who are happy to have him as saviour, but not so cool on having him as king. You see, he's meant to be our saviour and our king. Saviour, he's forgiven me, but he's my king, and I'll live my life for him. That's the difference. Jesus actually said this, very interesting. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on this day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? They sound pretty cool, don't they? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wow. That's a harsh scripture, don't you think? You see, the resurrection wasn't just for the forgiveness of sin. It was to set up a kingdom for us to enter into and to live by. That's what it's there for. About, it would have been about 15 years ago. This movement came through the church, a grace movement, probably needed a bit of balancing in our lives. Oh, Jesus forgives you of everything, and that is so true. But someone took liberties and said, oh, that means I can live however I want, right? So we forgot about consequences. We forgot about sowing and reaping principles. I can live however I want, God will forgive me. No, that's not how it works. Paul actually said, do I go on sinning that grace may abound? Well, grace can abound on anything, right? But you don't go on living that way because it trashes your life and it keeps you out of the kingdom. According to that scripture. You workers of lawlessness. The law has no power over me. Not anymore. Not the law of the Bible. But I still live a life wanting to obey my king. Wanting to serve my king and lift up my king. Friends, I believe that's where the favor of God is found. I don't want to be a Christian who's living a a defeated life, a life where I'm I'm walking along just getting by, just getting by. I don't want to live that Christian life. I want to live a victorious Christian life. I want to live the favored Christian life. And I think it's found in the kingdom. To be born again is how you see it to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, forgive you of your sin, yes, but to change me, Lord, I wanna be born again. Have you been born again? Thanks, musicians, if you'd like to come up. Have you been born again? Well, friend, if that's you, I've got good news for you. Resurrection Sunday. If you are not a Christian, if you are living outside of his kingdom, I've got great news for you. It's called the gospel. And that's this. Jesus is who he said he is. He is God. He rose again. Not only that, he provided a new start for you that you don't have to dwell in your life how it is anymore. He can forgive you and give you a brand new start. But not only that, he's provided a kingdom for you to walk in. I'd love to pray for you. Because I'd love to see you walk in that kingdom, live in that kingdom. I'd love to see you have a relationship with Jesus Christ who is alive today. He's not dead. He's not just a religious guru. He's a friend that wants to walk this journey with you. He's written you a Bible so he, you can find out what he wants to say to you. Not only that, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell with us, speak to our spirits and walk with our spirits. That's the exciting thing about it. I've gotta tell you, when I've decided, I grew up in the Christian home, but I had to make my own decision. Jesus, I want you to be my King come into my life it changed everything changed everything how about you friend I'd love to pray for you today so what I'd love to do I want us all to bow our heads we're going to pray and at home as well if you'd like to pray and I pray that Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit would be revealed to you the love of God over your life would be revealed to you. And I pray that in the spiritual realm, you would be changed today. Thank you, Lord. If You're at home today and you really want to see God. Why don't you just begin to look to Him right now? I call it sensitizing our spirit to Him. Just block out everything else right now and just contemplate this amazing Saviour who has risen today. Church, I'm gonna pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for being here today. Lord, you helped us lift up the name of Jesus today. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to every person who he, he is, that he is God, the resurrected King who is alive today. Now, Lord, if there be anyone here today, I pray, Lord God, that they would hand their sin over to you and ask for forgiveness to you and receive change, the second chance in their lives so they can walk in your kingdom. So if you're hearing my voice today and you would say, Rick, I wanna pray that prayer. I want forgiveness, I wanna ask Jesus into my life. I'm gonna say a prayer. I'm gonna ask you just to yourself, repeat it. It's not so much the prayer, it's the heart that's behind it. Why don't we pray? Just repeat it to yourself as I pray this prayer. Father God, thank you for Easter Sunday morning. I know that Jesus rose from the grave and is alive today. I also know that I'm a sinner and I confess my sin to you. Would you please forgive me of all of my sin? wash me clean. I turn away from it, and I turn away from that life. Come into my life, Jesus, and be my Lord, my King, my Saviour. I wanna walk in your kingdom. I wanna be born again this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well friend, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I wanna encourage you to speak to someone. If you prayed it for the first time or maybe you're away from God and you came back, you need to speak to someone because we want you to walk an incredible journey here at this church. I want you to walk the journey that he has for you. Paul the Apostle said this, for I am not ashamed of the good news, the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to who believes. So friend, if you prayed that prayer today, believe. Believe that you again, like He has, has been, have been resurrected with Him in a new life of forgiveness. Walk in His kingdom. Experience the resurrection in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over the entire church. Father. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you for the people's lives that are continually changed. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to draw people to you and help us, Lord God, as a church to be the people who help them walk in the kingdom. Lord, we love you. And again, we thank you for Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name.